That's new and unusual. Remember, I don't remember what that sound effect was even from. I think it was a maybe a Windows sound effect. I don't remember it. Ah, it's, damn you. Hey, welcome to Montreal Sauce with me, Chris. I've had a new Android device for 33 days and I haven't rooted it. It's like a new record for me. Anyway. <laughs> nice. Nice. As always, I'm here with, as you may have heard, uh, the man with a hundred Star Wars voices, Paul. Hey, Paul. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I chose not to use any of the Star Wars voices for that one. <laughs> that was a, a character from the bar, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, together on the show, we talk to makers, creators, uh, creatives, uh, Basically, the digital pioneers of our information highway. And uh, tonight, uh, tonight's guest is a writer who contributes to The New Yorker, Gawker, The Owl, a staff writer for Death and Taxes magazine. Um, he's the uh, brains behind uh, a p- the public Facebook project and the NameSwap Chrome extension. He's also penned the yet-to-be-produced Airbud Glory Day story. Please welcome Joe Vicks. Hi. Hello. Ah. Ah, did I say your name right? I probably should have clarified. It was, it was really close. It's um it's Vikes. Vikes. Okay. But no one gets it right, so it's okay. I'm like I'm ready for it every time. Ah. <laughs> My strategy is just to like mumble when I get to words I can't say. Yeah, that's what I do. Which is pretty much why I mumble all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm just always mumbling myself. So, uh, so Joe, um, how, how did you get to, into this writing thing? Um, uh, <laughs> man, that's, I, I don't know. I guess, um, I was working a crappy job and then, um, just like sort of writing in the side at the job. And then it very gradually started breaking through, um, doing like cold pitches and stuff to places. Oh, wow. That's always uh, really builds character, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, a few of the places that took me, I, I submitted through the like contact us part of the website they had. Like that's how desperate I was. Nice. Yeah. So did you have... Uh... I guess I guess my question would maybe be better phrased as how many failures did you have? Like how many rejections did you really have before you got to the point where it was like, no, that's a that's an interesting pitch, but we need you to work on it or so. Like even the smallest glimmer of success, I imagine, is a good thing when you're in that position. Uh, yeah, it's funny. It always like. Um, yeah, I guess. What was it? Um, I did this like thing where I made fun of BuzzFeed. That was like 2000, <laughs> 2013 or something, maybe 2012. It was forever ago. Um, and it, it kind of resonated. And um, I don't know. That was like a sign like, oh, I can like reach a lot of people on the Internet just doing my weird thing instead of trying to like – like before that I was trying to like send out pitches that were um, like what I thought people wanted. And mm. they, were, they were just so bad. You know, I mean, or at least like I'm not the kind, I'm not the right person to write 
those those pieces you sure. know yeah which is goals. yeah we're <laughs> just like you know like think pieces i'm trying to remember whatever the shape of the internet was in like 2013 mm-hmm. like like the pieces that were everywhere i was trying to pitch stuff like that like like think pieces before that that was like a complete joke <laughs> before medium took over that entire space <laughs> yeah um yeah so i don't know around then i was like oh i'm just gonna like do my thing and then hopefully that'll work and and it turns out it kind of did or at least i don't know i'm here now I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's it's like it's going okay <laughs> yeah for sure so what was the what what was the crappy job that you had before writing? I, I had so many. Um, <laughs> what was it? So I, I started out at a coffee shop, um, and that was in like the West Village in New York. And uh, yeah, I was there for a while uh, through college, and then like too long after college. <laughs> <laughs> where, where like if a friend came in they were like like from college who hasn't seen you in a while they'd come in and be like oh so you're still here huh um and then after that i, I got a job at a call center in new, also in new york mm-hmm. and i stayed at that too long um there's a pattern here <laughs> and, and that was that was just a brutal job uh, <laughs> i i really hate talking on the phone <laughs> yeah yeah and then that was just like my reality for like nine hours a day. Both those jobs, I feel like, have the uh, an alarming frequency with which you're talking to somebody who is upset. Yeah, about it's something amazing. That you can't even really like. I can't. I can't do anything to help you. I know you're upset, and I'm. I'm sorry, but I'm trying to do my job here. Yeah, <laughs> and also like you're in a position where you you have no power to do anything. Like really, you're just like a buffer between the person and like someone who can help them. Yes. Yeah. And you're you're just an obstacle. <laughs> um. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no worries. It's the whole Skype thing. I was gonna say, like my my younger sister when she was in college was working at a gas station, and she always had great stories about you know just the fervent anger of like gas prices and her being yelled at, you know, like the minimum wage worker has it, you know, she's back there going, I'm going to make the price this. Ha ha ha. Let me, <laughs> let me call up OPEC and get the prices lowered. Um, I'll use my poll because otherwise I won't let them have any of these cigarettes behind here. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the call center was nuts. Cause like th- this was like, um, I guess during the recession, like right at the beginning of it. And people were just like abandoning this company. Like they wanted to drop cause they couldn't afford it. <laughs> and, um, some people were just like calling to just cry. Like oh, you would just man. get really just sad, sad phone calls. Like you'd like have this glimpse into people's lives. Like they, this is maybe too heavy. Um, but like they call in and, you could hear like the guy's wife like telling him what to say and he would just be like breaking down crying. Yeah. And be like, Oh my God, like, I'm so sorry. I, I haven't, I can't even do anything to help you. Like they're, they're just like begging you. Yeah. It's, it was, uh, 
it was a pretty intense um, day-to-day reality. I've never – yeah, wow. That's uh, It's always eye-opening. I love talking to people on the show because um, you just opened my eyes as well because – I'm always looking at it from like my standpoint, like, you know, Comcast, just like all I want to do is leave, stop trying to like sell me stuff, but getting it from your side of it where you're like embroiled in a lot of human drama and stuff like that, that, that was, wow. Yeah. It's weird too, because you have a lot of pressure um, from management to basically do the exact opposite of what the customer wants. So like you're kind of getting pulled from both sides in different directions and you're just in the middle, like deflecting people. Basically it's pretty, it's, it was an interesting experience. I got to say. Yeah. Your boss is gonna, your boss is going to reward you for whatever it is, retain, retaining the customer, yeah, getting exactly. them to pay a bill, whatever that is. And the customer, of course, um, you know, I wants to cancel their service, can't afford their service anymore, can't afford to pay whatever this bill is. Just like totally reasonable claims. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're on the phone seven and a half hours of the day with the customers that can't afford whatever it is. And you're getting screamed at by your boss the other half an hour Yeah, <laughs> for letting people go. And, um, and it, the conditions, I mean, this is at least one place and I won't say the company so I don't get sued or something, but, um, (laughs) uh, you weren't really allowed to like go to the bathroom very long. Like, like managers, if you were in the bathroom, they'd like barge in and start like knocking on the stall. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause they got to keep those call times down. Yeah. Wait times. Yeah. It was, it was intense. I don't recommend that job to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so uh, I was doing a lot of writing, like on like notepads, while at that that gig, and uh, I ended up getting laid off, and then I got a job at a a, a K-pop uh, blog hmm. uh, through a friend randomly. So I was writing about K-pop, and uh, I don't know anything about K-pop. I didn't at the <laughs> I didn't at the time. It was really cool to learn. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, every time I see like someone's like, Oh, check out this like K-pop video. I'm just like, like my eyes turn into like a a giant eyes of an anime character. I'm like, what is happening? This is amazing. (laughs) It's, it's really, it's just beautiful. Uh, A lot of the videos are just so out there in the most beautiful way. And I, I feel like a lot of that aesthetic ends up getting filtered into our, like all the music videos, that we see here. Sure. Yeah. Like, like Missy Elliott and stuff. All of her videos are very like K-pop style. Yeah. Our, our, you know, American artists are, you know, kind of sampling that stuff to broaden their taste and, and try to be on a trend. Yeah. But it's, it was really cool that like something so popular can be so absurd and that people are just willing <laughs> to like go there that I really liked that about it. <laughs> we talk about uh when we talk about storytelling especially on film frown uh but also on storytelling on this podcast we think about um like the suspension of disbelief right and mm-hmm. 
I feel like it's so much easier for a three to five minute video to just accept anything. It can be as absurd as possible because you know it's going to be over in two more minutes. Yeah, yeah. right. It's, less, it's a <laughs> lower investment, I guess. Wow, I've never thought of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be silly and absurd, but if it was silly and absurd for two hours, you'd leave the theater. You'd be like, I'm, I can't do this. <laughs> this is yeah. too much. Yeah, it's like your your budget for absurdity. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's even just like the big like action movies, like the ones that are Hollywood is like droning out right now, or it's just like, you're just in it and like, you're just, it's in your face and um, you're just like there and you're like, oh my gosh, wow. And then, you know, 20 minutes later in the coffee shop or the bar or whatever, you're like, Wait, what? What was the bad guy's motivation again? Right, like, <laughs> or the the horror movies where like nothing happens for two hours and then someone gets like stabbed. It, it's upsetting as hell. Like you, you've earned that moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, um, I just watched this uh, game trailer for uh, a piece of research I was doing on uh, somebody um, that I'm supposed to interview soon. And, uh, and it was for a horror video game and I've never been a huge uh, player, but I played a couple of them and I was like watching this trailer, which was like 13 minutes long of just like, this is what the game currently looks like and it's not finished yet. And I was just like, you know, my hands like gripping the chair because I know it's coming, right? Like, but it's a video game. So it comes like when you open the right door. So like this yep. person's just exploring this environment they built and picking up things in this house. And I'm like, but, but when is it going to happen? And I was just like terrified. They'd set the mood so good. I was like, I'm scared. <laughs> um, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, it reminds me, I, I was talking to a game designer, a program programmer and, He's telling me about, do, do you remember System Shock 2? I don't know. I don't, well, no, I it don't like, think I do. It was like a, like a precursor to Bioshock, and it, it was like this horror video game in space. But w- one of the things it did was it had like, uh, it always gave you like just the right amount of ammo to win, but never more than that. And it would always have like the last bullet you had would always be more powerful than the others. So like every time you're like fighting something, it's, it always comes down to the last, the last shot. And they just did that to like, just make it scarier. <laughs> and it's so genius, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really matter how many times you hit him as long as you hit him with that last bullet. Yeah. Like it, they just figured out how to make people feel like this intense, relief and panic yeah yeah wow that is really cool because it's like you know nowadays it's so like everything is like disseminated so much that it's like as soon as the game comes out someone has to beat it so they can make a walk right. through it it's right. like yeah. oh you're gonna need like you know this many you know shells for your rpg but it doesn't matter in that game no it's just terrifying no matter what yeah, and that, you know, beating uh, beating whatever video game it is, Super Mario Brothers or whatever, like, it's always fun to beat the game, but when you beat the game 
on the last life and you were barely like barely still alive one more hit and you'd be dead and it would be game over there's no more extra lives but instead you beat the game like that is that can be as a gamer one of the best feelings in the world <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that that's like that's the feeling you chase i i, I imagine yeah yeah i don't i'd love stuff like that yeah, that is a really cool piece of information. Wow. So, so uh, just kind of skipping ahead, like I learned about you. Um, I think I had read some of your stuff before and just never like, because I feel like I went back and I was like, oh, I have read this before. But yeah. I really, I really kind of like learned about you when I was like looking, checking out um, someone that had posted a link to Brand Acted. Um, care to explain uh, that that little project to our listeners, which is my mom and whoever else? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so I, I designed a browser extension that removes um, brand names or a certain a certain number of brand names. I couldn't get them all. Um, and the idea is that I don't know. I was noticing more and more sponsored content sort of disguised as actual articles within websites and um, just out of frustration with that because like Adblock can't quite detect those, those as ads. It's their articles technically. So I I thought it would be neat to kind of create an app that just like outright censors brands. And on the one hand, it's like not really that functional for that purpose, but it looks really neat. Because you see how many brands just show up constantly, it like calls attention to them, <laughs> right? Because it like uh, blacks them out, like a redacted document. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like uh, it's yeah. Just from that standpoint, it's kind of mind-boggling. I mean, even even today, like in normal conversation, like we we have to mention like brands just to kind of for whatever reason i can't tell you that i had a delicious soda with dinner tonight i gotta tell you it's a pepsi or a coke or you know yeah and it it gets to be i mean that's a whole other can of worms like at what point can you abandon using the brand's name and like does that um like hinder your ability to describe a scene like yeah because because brands are everywhere so you're kind of you have to use the brand name. Otherwise, I mean, you walk down the street and you see like 10,000 ads every minute. I just made that up. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, sounds right. Uh, yeah. It's, a, so it's like, a statistic. Yeah. Yeah. That's real <laughs> now. <laughs> but like you can't describe that walk without, you know, mentioning a few ads because that's like the reality of it. Yeah, it's so, so backing up a little bit, do you have like a background in coding as well? No, uh, I'm terrible at it. Um, (laughs) I've just started to learn because I want to mess with stuff more. Well, you've uh, moved beyond beginner. If you can admit that you're, that you're terrible at it, I think. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I hope. Uh, (laughs) I feel like I'm not like coding i feel like i'm just hitting other people's stuff with a hammer (laughs) 
like just a very yeah. blunt instrument and then like shaping it into something I want. Yeah. And that, that's fine for me. But, um, yeah, I, I took some like internet coding lessons just to understand what certain symbols meant. And, you know, that, 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 I think the brand acted thing was maybe my like first or second attempt to make a thing. So, right. And then something similar would be, uh, I think next up was like name swap, right? Or yeah, yeah, and that that just like that changes uh, all of the people running for president. It changes their names to something gross. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Taco Boner Stink. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, which I, is he even still running? I don't know. I guess I was, Trump took all the. Yeah. Right. Which in and of itself, I mean, all you need to really say is Donald Trump. His, I don't know that his name needs to get swapped for anything. Yeah. Yeah. That was a hard nickname because all the jokes are really obvious. <laughs> right. And like, I don't know. They're, they're, he's kind of like, at this point, just like a white supremacist. So like, <laughs> it, it feels really like kind of weird to engage him at all. <laughs> it's true. Um. Yeah, that that project, it was inspired by um, my friends kind of did this, uh, my friend Jason and, and a programmer, uh, he, he built an extension that changed um, the name for the football team, the Washington Redskins. It changed it to like less offensive names. And uh, I, I just really liked that sort of like activist browser extension. Yeah. So, so where, when you're saying like, uh, Trump's name was, uh, his one was hard to come up with because all the jokes have been done. Do you, do you have like a close knit group of, uh, friends or something that you sort of, uh, run some of your, uh, satire by before you, uh, launch anything or no? Uh, it depends, uh, on my self-esteem at the given moment, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's like a friend or two I'll like run a joke by if I'm not sure because sometimes when they're weirder, it's hard to tell if you're just being weird or if there's something there. So yeah, I have a friend or two. Sometimes my girlfriend, I'll annoy her. <laughs> she's, she's probably really sick of it. I get that. I mean, sometimes you come up with something like your your train of thought takes you somewhere that you find very funny or at least, I don't know, ironic or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you've made so many sort of internal personal leaps to yeah. get to that place that other people are like, I, I don't, I don't know yeah. what I'm supposed to get. <laughs> yeah. And it gets, it gets pretty interesting if, if you're using like, I don't know, I call it like glitch language where instead of a punchline, you just have one word. That's just kind of like fucked up <laughs> uh, either like spelling punctuation or like, I don't know. There's, if there's like, maybe this is getting too wonky, but if there's like a, like grammar is codified in our heads in a certain way and we know how a sentence should sound. If you change one word a certain way, it kind of creates a glitch in the language, which is like a joke without a punchline kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like when people use 
you know, like when uh, someone tries to sort of like type something out like gangsta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's that, like you say, codified grammar in your head that's like, that's not right. And then you have yeah. to reread it in that voice and you're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. And even just like a comma instead of a period, if it, if it has the right, if it's spaced correctly, it can, I think, trigger a laugh. But that stuff is like very subjective. So I'll usually clear that with a friend or something. <laughs> right. Right. Like, am, am I <laughs> yeah. insane? It kind or of makes the assumption that the person who's looking at it knows how grammar is supposed to work. Yeah. Kind and of. Sometimes. A lot of people don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess who cares? You yeah. Know? yeah. Grammar is kind of fluid and doesn't mean much. He used the wrong there, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, yeah, it's like weird to nitpick if people sure. are using grammar wrong. It's like, <laughs> You understand what they're saying, right? Yes. Yeah. True. Yeah. I I thought for a second, Paul, you were going to be like, oh, I totally understand because you run things by your wife. And she's like, oh, because <laughs> 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 I was going to be like, yes, yes, a thousand times. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She uh, she either uh, laughs hysterically, in which case I know that, you know, it was the right direction or she stares at me blankly which generally gets me to just repeat it to see if maybe she just wasn't listening. Like maybe she missed the first part and then I continue to get a blank stare. <laughs> and then I say, I'll just go, I'll just go pick up dinner. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah. I think when I was starting out like writing jokes, I was so, so insecure and um, like, I didn't know I could write jokes every, every mm. single new joke felt like kind of a miracle. Uh, <laughs> like, Oh my God, I did a joke. Yeah. Uh, and it was like one in a thousand. So I think I, I, I annoyed the hell out of all of my friends. Like for a year or two, like, is, <laughs> is this funny? And they're like, nah, how about this? <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. Really bad. Like Jack handy rip off jokes. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, and then I, what I do when I come up with something and then I think it's good and tell my wife and she like rolls her eyes or doesn't respond. Then I spend like the next 45 minutes telling myself like it's, she's just not the right audience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know. That's the thing. Sometimes. <laughs> If I was that person, it might be funny. Yeah. <laughs> like how do you how do you give that kind of feedback? Yeah, I mean, like sometimes you do have to write jokes in the voice or or like sort of predict how an outlet might want it. Like it's mm-hmm. the style of humor. So on some level that that is true like writing some like a Twitter joke versus like a long form humor piece for like a different site. Like that's a very different style. And like those readers probably don't overlap at all. Oh, did I lose everyone? I'm here. I'm still here too. Yeah. There was just a weird sound. I don't know what that was. 
Ah. Long, long silence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Always a good thing to end a sentence with just long, <laughs> pregnant silence. Yeah. It was the NSA like tuning out. Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> it was just me silently screaming and shaking my fist at Skype. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh speaking of sort of like um uh what did you call it? Uh your brand acted uh extension you called it um what was that? Um the the Chrome extent the brand uh brand acted that one? Yeah, you called it like uh what like a kind of a protest or an activist um, extension. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, there's some pretensions there. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to, you know, make it seem like I think that it's actually doing anything. Uh, <laughs> it's like sort of activist in quotes, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Something that's messing with maybe the fabric of, of the tools we use every day to maybe make a point. I, I think that could be called sort of an activist. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was uh, younger, I was like a big fan of, uh, the, uh, ad busters, like publication yeah. and then yeah, the same. magazine. Yeah. I like that. I, I liked that stuff a lot. Yeah. The idea of like sort of turning these, brands that are almost like icons at this point, you know, like mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse or Ronald McDonald into something else. Like it's really clever. I always thought. Yeah. And you just start to realize how desperate they are. And, and that kind of undoes the like, uh, mystique around it. Like, like they, they are, they're so desperate to seem cool, you know, like if they were a person, you'd feel really bad for them. <laughs> it's you know, true yeah. like every time you look at a brand's twitter account they're always like hey kids you know like they want they want in on what, <laughs> whatever just happens to be cool at that moment and it's just so exhausting and sad yeah it's very true like especially in the twitter age where it's just like yeah like everybody yesterday was just like all over back to the future day oh, god yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it was one thing to like see like your aunt post in Facebook like oh did you know it's back to the future day hee hee yeah. like and you go oh my like family I have to be their friends on Facebook but then like <laughs> yeah you know Coca-Cola or USA Today or whatever like all these right. companies yeah. that are just like you love us look what we did yeah <laughs> by the way we made a Jaws 14 yeah. It was wild. I mean, it it kind of sucked the fun out of a movie I really liked. Um but it, that was weird cuz Back to the Future is like one of the first like brand heavy movies. Mhm. Like I I rewatched it uh recently. Um it's like every second they're ref- they're just referencing some brand I feel like I feel like they're doing that intentionally because it was such a heavy thing in the 80s. Like mm-hmm. that the 80s I feel like is super defined by the way that brands were trying to market on television and how they were trying how they were trying to talk to generation X 
right? Yeah. At the time. Yeah. And uh and Back to the Future was so designed to be a period piece. They were like, it's about time travel. We have to pretty concretely put it in 1985. And That's then we true. have to pretty concretely put 1955 together. Um, mm-hmm. Which uh, of those three, do you have a favorite of the, the three Back to the Futures? Oh. Not that I'm trying to take advantage of Back to the Future Day. Mind you, I'm simply saying that they're very <laughs> fun movies. No, they're, they're, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to talk about them after going through yesterday's like, (laughs) yes, but they are really, really good movies. Like, again, I I like saw them pretty recently and they held up really well. Mm -hmm. Like I watched them all in a row. And, uh, I mean that like the first one is, is I think the best, but I, I, I don't know. I really liked the second one a lot, like the absurd future is just so funny to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me. Like I've always like loved the second one. And then, uh, two, I, I too have, uh, recently, um, begun the journey of watching them probably like earlier this month or last month. And, uh, we haven't watched the third one yet, but, uh, yeah, the second one, I was like, oh, this one's my favorite because I always love, like, future stuff. But then it was interesting, like, then I started getting that sort of, like, second movie remorse where, like, yeah. there is no, like, beginning or end in the second movie, like, any kind of series of films. It's just sort yeah. of like, hey, this is just here to fill a spot. Now you have to watch the conclusion <laughs> another day. <laughs> but it, it's, um, I don't know, it, it was... I, I love that they went with the most absurd possible future to like avoid getting anything wrong. Like rather than try to predict <laughs> an accurate future, they just like went, they went all out. out. Yeah. yeah. It's just so campy and weird. And mm-hmm. that whole like Biff, like Trump sequence is like so dark too. It's very dark. Yeah. It though that, part of back to the future two is probably the part that most, I don't know, is out of place with the rest of the movies. Yeah. Cause even, even, uh, the third movie is, is very, uh, bright in a lot of ways. Um, there is one deleted scene from the third that is like oppressively dark. Hmm. Like I, I think it's on YouTube. Um, I might I might get this wrong because I haven't seen it in a while. But basically, like the Biff, uh, the bad guy in the third one, like Wild West Biff. Yeah, um, Biff Tannen was it? Yeah, yeah. Old uh, God, what was his cowboy nickname? That's not important. Um, he basically just like shoots this kid's dad in the back in front of a kid. And then, like, the scene just ends with the kid crying, like, screaming, pa. It's really upsetting. It's totally, like, they, they cut it from the film, like, the last minute. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I, I'll have to check that out because I, uh, it's funny, I I bought the Blu-ray set when it was on some crazy Amazon sale probably nice. three or four years ago, and... As soon as I bought it and it arrived in the mail, I was like, oh, cool. My roommate's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Can I borrow it and check it out? I'm like, 
I just, I haven't even watched. Uh, sure, go ahead. So it's like at least someone watched it to know that these discs aren't effective because now yeah. three years later I'm watching it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I was watching some like special feature behind the scene thing uh, on the second disc, I think, and it was interesting because Zemeckis was just like, yeah, so uh, it's it's been kind of a challenge just because – I'm really not into science fiction or future stuff because I, I I really like history. And so this has been a challenge for me. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, that's so interesting to hear the director say, yeah, this movie, I'm not for me, man. <laughs> yeah. He's probably so sick of it too. Like imagine being defined by like one, I mean, it would be amazing to make such a movie that like, just took over pop culture forever. But like, if it's not his thing, like, I guess like he's probably just so annoyed by it every day. <laughs> yeah. I just found it interesting too. Cause right. He like did uh Forrest Gump as well. And I'm like, okay, yeah. that's playing in history, but you're totally messing with history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, that's yeah. interesting. What, what else did he do? Uh, it was Zemeckis, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's, yeah, there's Gump and then there's uh, Back to the Future. I feel like there is something else that he did, but... Uh, Roger Rabbit. Oh, right. <laughs> Again, history, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Romancing um, the Stone. That was one of his earliest... Oh, wow, it's, really? Yeah, Romancing the Stone, Back to the Future, Who Framed Robert Ra- Roger Rabbit, uh, Death Becomes Her, uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is probably the next biggest. Uh, uh, Contact. <laughs> has, have you guys seen Contact? I have yes. seen Contact, yeah. So is it as bad as everyone says? Uh, you know what? I like it. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah, I like it. Um, I, but I wouldn't call it great. <laughs> I, I like it because I like the, so it's weird for him to say, you know, I'm not really that into science fiction because contact is very science fiction. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think he's the kind of director too where, uh, he's kind of looking for stories that let him do interesting things with the art form as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like being able to back to the future is a great reason to be able to experiment with mixing computer animation, uh, with, um, with, uh, visuals, Roger Rabbit, obviously also a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Um, doing a lot of that in Forrest Gump as well, where they're inserting forest into all this, you know, historical footage. Yeah. So. That's interesting. Like, um, I guess I was thinking it's funny about contact cause that was like a movie that everyone understood was bad, but like almost no one saw it. <laughs> oh, like Ishtar. Yeah. It, I guess I, I, I don't, that's the Dustin Hoffman one, right? Right. Yeah. And like no one saw it, but everyone knows it's bad. Right. <laughs> Which is pretty weird and fucked up, right? Like. I, uh, 
I rewatched Contact fairly recently. I actually didn't finish it, but I started rewatching <laughs> Contact recently. Uh, and uh, it was after having watched Interstellar. Oh. And I didn't realize, I didn't remember that, uh, uh, what's his name? Damn it. Uh, oh, Matthew yeah, McConaughey? Matthew Matthew McConaughey is in both. Whoa. <laughs> uh, he, oh. In fact, he plays a pretty... He, plays a pretty big role in uh, contact as well. Yes. Uh, and I, I had watched them fairly close together and I was like, he's just not, he, de- he, this is the kind of character he plays, I guess. It's not really, <laughs> I mean, it's a completely different person, but it's still Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's his range. <laughs> That's now, fine though, right? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's fine in it. He's totally believable in both movies, in both parts, but it's him. I don't know. Let's now. I want to do like some kind of fun, like cut of like removing McConaughey from his uh, scenes in uh, Contact and replacing him with the <laughs> true detective Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> it's kind of the same. Now that yeah, I think about it. Right. That's like fine. Like certain actors, like they just do that one character so well, and I would watch it like every every yeah, time. Yeah, their job is different, their philosophy is different, but th- who they are is exactly the same, really. Like yeah. like uh, Steve Zahn, I think, is in that category. Yes, and uh, probably Peter Lorre. If you want to go back in time, <laughs> I. And then, then there's other people, like, if you don't like that one thing that they do, then you just can't get into any of their movies. And for me, that would be, like, Joe Pesci. Like, he's, like, the uh, same in every movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just, it takes me out of it. Like, even that uh, ridiculous one where he plays, like, a bum, like, that's hanging around, like, some Ivy League school. He's still, like, Brooklynese, like... Gangster bum. <laughs> he does that one note really well, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a Brooklyn scumbag. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so, uh, so speaking of films, uh, I have to say when I was doing my research that uh, it's not really a question. I just wanted to tell you that I uh, love your acting reel on the YouTube channel. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're like one of like 10 people who watched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just thought it would be fun. Like I was thinking, um, the acting reel is just like a bunch of footage of truck commercials of like the trucks driving around mountains and stuff. <laughs> I just, something, it's still, it's really funny to me and probably only me, just like the actors in those commercials, like the people driving the trucks, they're always just a silhouette of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like bouncing Ford pickup trucks over logs and stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, those commercials are so, Yeah. I feel like the truck commercial like reached its height and it just like, I don't, 
I don't really have TV anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> I I might not be a very good gauge of this, but I feel like they they reached their height when they got Dennis Leary to like do their Ford truck commercials, wasn't it? Or it was a GM, but he was just like yeah. doing his Dennis Leary shtick, like you want a truck? These have big engines, you know? Like, yeah, he just yells at you. <laughs> yeah. He's just yelling about trucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's like no, what? That's not okay in any situation. <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I don't know. The whole like truck commercial genre is pretty great because it's got this like terrible Americana running through its veins. Yes. Yeah. And like these like giant machines nobody needs, but we like still have to make so that. Yeah. Like we can keep the machine running. They're always they're always dropping something gigantic and heavy into the bed of a pickup truck. Yeah. And you can tell from the way that it's filmed that that pickup truck will probably not drive away from that situation. So they no. just quickly cut. <laughs> <laughs> like you can hold it. And it's like it's being sold for like jobs that just don't exist here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even the trucks like I've ranted before because I'm originally from the Midwest and uh um, I had a, I worked in, in college, I worked for the theater department and, uh, it was, uh, I was, uh, one of those, uh, late students, we'll just say. And, uh, so <laughs> it, it was like just before or around like the big housing crash. And, um, my boss at the theater that I was working for, uh, at the, at the college, um, he, um, he had a big truck that he was trying to sell like a super cab thing from the eighties. And like he and his wife, like they didn't drive it anymore and they were just trying to sell it because like it just, there's too much in gas. Like they yeah. both, they both had like little Toyotas at that point. <laughs> like, and he's just like, at this point, you know, I can get like home Depot or these places to deliver lumber. I don't need a truck anymore. And, uh, yeah. and I said, wow, I can't believe like you've had it for a long time, haven't you? Since the eighties, he's like, yeah, I bought it new and it's, it was the contractor model. And I was like, oh yeah, what does that mean? He's like, well, I had to drive it to work today and put the for sale sign in here at the, at the college. So let me show you. And I was <laughs> like, Ooh. And so we go there and like, you know, back in the eighties, uh, even my dad, when he had trucks, like they all had rubber floors. Right. And yeah, so, yeah. When you pulled the seat back on uh, my boss's truck, there was a little hook there. And on the hook was, and it came with the, the truck, a, a hose that you could then <laughs> hook up to. the whole thing off. Yeah, yeah and wash, your, wash the inside of your truck because you drag mud in it from the contract <laughs> site all day. And it's like nowadays, like you said, like we don't use these machines for those things anymore. So they're like leather interior and they have internet. Yeah. And <laughs> right, yeah. It's like a weird like status symbol. Yeah. 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 Like you're, the, uh, you're running the job site, but you're not going to do the labor. It's, yeah, it's uh it's weird to me that um if you want to buy a truck now, you can't buy a truck that doesn't have four seats in it. Yeah. Like it used to be every truck that you saw was like just a tiny little cab with a bench seat and it could fold forward and you could maybe stuff some tools behind the seat and that was that was it. The rest of it was truck bed and that was what it was it was for hauling crap. It's a truck. America. Yeah, they, they were. There's, yeah, there's a nostalgia there. I kind of miss. Yeah, 
And, um, and now it's like every single truck is like a minivan with like a four foot sled on the back of it. It's, I mean, it's a minivan, but for assholes, <laughs> like, like you're only buying it for that, to have that, uh, yeah. convey that idea about you. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> I bought I the model that has LTE cause I never carry my phone. Yeah. Like, um, I was just in, in Berkeley like a weekend or two ago and there was this guy, a guy in Berkeley with like, uh, a giant pickup truck with Republican plates, which is like pretty wild to see in that part of the country. <laughs> <laughs> and when he started his car up in the parking garage, it set like two or three car alarms off. Like just, <laughs> just the truck starting up. <laughs> It was, it was just so perfectly terrible, you know? That is. Like, that's, that's the world he's built for himself, where he's just, like, causing chaos, <laughs> destruction. And you know he's happy about it. Like, oh, he yeah. intentionally just lay, lays on the gas when he starts that thing up. Oh, yeah, he's probably so excited to cause that misery. <laughs> like, he's, like, driving around Berkeley, like, yeah, fucking hippies. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> My my wife and I were driving uh, the other day, and we we came around a bend, and on the side of the road we see uh, three guys wearing jeans and flannel, and they've got uh, and there's three pickup trucks. There's one pickup truck for every guy that we see, and uh, each truck has like a little bit of a lift. Uh, they're kind of like maybe they're getting ready to do some mud running or something, <laughs> and I just. Completely involuntarily, I go, truck squad. <laughs> I couldn't even help it. It just like leapt from my brain through my mouth immediately. And mm-hmm. that was really all that needed to be said. Yeah. Did, did they beat you up? No, <laughs> no, they didn't. I kept driving. <laughs> oh, nice. That's, that's how that worked. <laughs> it's like, uh, like, I don't know. I grew up outside of Philly and like. Those guys are are trying to prove something about themselves so hard. You just don't want to challenge their manhood. Yeah, right. Like they will, they will absolutely shoot you. <laughs> like they have gun, they got guns. They've for got like guns. This one situation. Yep. Where, where you make fun of them. Right. It's not really for if they get like mugged or anything like that, because it won't be accessible in that kind of a situation. No, it's totally like just challenged manhood. (laughs) I am in truck squad. I lead truck squad. (laughs) I bet you there is a truck squad though. Like if you Googled (laughs) in some, there's gotta be, it's like some truck forum. (laughs) I wanted to turn it into a kid's TV show. Actually. That would, I would watch that. I guess truck squad. It's like uh, low rent transformers. Yes, exactly. They like can't. They exactly. can't change into anything. They just right drive for help. It would be uh, super brand heavy, obviously, because yeah. the <laughs> names of the trucks would be the brand names of the trucks. Captain <laughs> Colorado, <laughs> Avalanche. They just drive around with big loads. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just, it's basically my acting reel. Just yeah. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. They have to solve problems of the world, but with their trucks. 
It's like a little right. girl's cat, like stuck in a tree, and one of them's like, "We'll just ram the tree or pull it down." Is everyone still there, or did I? No, I we got did you. I get cut out? I hear you. Do, Do you, you not have hear us? us? Hello. Hello, we hear Hello. you. Are you there? Hello. Hello, I can hear you. Can yeah, you not we hear can us? hear you. Hello? Checkity check check. We can try. Uh, clunk, clunk. He left? Yes, he did. I think he got disconnected. Hello? Are you back? Hello? Are you there? Hey. Hey. Hi. There it goes. All right. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. This is this is what happens when you make fun of truck truck squad on the internet. Yeah, man. I guess someone's gonna say likes trucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I feel like I guess like we have all this awesome credit in the universe, but I feel like also like um, the Harleys and the motorcycles could fall in that category as well, where like <laughs> it's all about like proving something. And then it's like it drives me nuts because they're so freaking loud. And then um, <laughs> and then I start to think like it isn't really the guys who can improve them, who want to prove themselves anymore that have those motorcycles because they're so darn expensive. It's like these retired guys like at 50. <laughs> but yeah, I mean. I go back and forth, but uh, a buddy of mine just got into motorcycling, and he, you know, he's been hanging out with those guys more. And it seems like, like whereas the pickup truck is like, uh, like a, a a comfortable, safe thing, the motorcycle is super dangerous. And yeah, yeah, like th- these are guys who are and girls who are maybe like working through something where like doing a hobby where the like terrible threat of death is very present at all moments. (laughs) Like they're all like, I think kind of like depressed, like existentially like searching, like, like like they almost want to fall. My life is super safe. So I have to give myself like the thrill of being near being in danger in some way. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of fascinating. Yeah. 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 I had a, I don't know what your experience was like, but I mean, I friend in, I have a friend in New York and I remember, uh, when I first moved all the way here to Edmonton, like motorcycles just going through the city, it was just like, wow, that is more loud than I've ever heard. And my friend in New York Mm -hmm. is like, it goes through your body because it's just this giant concrete and glass jungle we live in. He's like, yeah, he's like a tremendous to absorb the sound. Yeah. He's a tremendous car guy and he has like a 68 like Camaro, but he's like those motorcycles, like they just (laughs) like, Oh, I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I I used to live on second Avenue and it was so loud. Oh, wow. Yeah. Second and 10th, just constant noise, just every engine at once. 
And then there's the electric cars where they pipe engine noise through the stereo. So you feel like you still have the same experience. Do they really do that? There are, there are uh, car companies that do that. Yes. Oh, wow. The Tesla, the Tesla does not do that because it embraces the fact that it's an electric car. Uh, it's from the future. Yes. (laughs) Right. It has come here from the future. (laughs) Wow. That is, that's so perfect. Yeah. Like, of course they do that. But yeah, I think there's, I think there's a series of BMWs that do that. (laughs) Um, that really they're, they're either hybrids or they're actual, like they, they're actually being muffled and, uh, like significantly seriously muffled. So on the outside, it's a very quiet car, but on the inside, it pipes like this fake engine noise in. So you feel like you're driving something loud and raucous. (laughs) That's so weird. (laughs) That that seems very strange to me. Yeah. Especially given that like, it's not like BMW is hiding this from you. It probably says it in the manual. Like, if you want to turn off the fake engine noise, you can do that. Drive the car like it's actually meant to be driven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. I guess that's kind of similar to, like, like skeuomorphic design in, um, in computers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, that's starting to get abandoned now, but we had, like, what, a decade or two where, like, like a notepad had to look like a notepad <laughs> yeah. or people wouldn't know what notepad was. Calendar had this like little bit of fuzzy paper at the top of it as if you had just ripped off the previous month, but not yeah. ripped it cleanly off. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was just necessary to like help people be used to something, but that's so bizarre. Yeah, that is, uh, that's weird. That just made me think of um, <clears throat> as far as uh, process and writing, like do you – I just started playing with um, this app on the Macs called Byword and it's really interesting because it uh, – you can set it into like a sentence or paragraph focus. So while you're typing, like it's like right in the center of the app. Oh. And I was like, that's interesting. It keeps me focused. I've been playing with it and I kind of like it. So I was just like, when you guys were talking about that, I was just like, oh, whoa, what's, uh, what's your preferred poison, Joe? Like, what, uh, what do you, do you have anything special or you're just like writing? <laughs> um, no, well, I'm, just, I'm still trying to figure it out or I'm trying to figure it out again. Um, lately, I've, I've been using Apple Pages for like the past two or three years. And that works pretty well. It was mostly just um, because it has, it's really easy to do save stuff in the cloud and then load it on your phone. So I I could like sneak writing at work or, you know, on the train or something like that. Um, And then I kind of like fucked with pages a bit so that it's like very minimal so I just I just like write without formatting and it's it fills up the screen and it's pretty much just like a white screen. Mm, yeah. And yeah, sometimes I'll switch my uh laptop into like a monochrome setting. Like it's under like system preferences, you can It's just like an accessibility setting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just completely it just makes it 
easier to read and like the blank white screen. It's like you're staring directly into a light bulb. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I I was a little sick of that. So yeah, like the monochrome setting was pretty cool. They have a lot of cool, like in the accessibility section, like just weird color settings. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it, it helps at all. I like to think that like finding some ideal app will make me write better, but <laughs> it usually seems like it's just me procrastinating. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was more of like a process uh, question, but I was just mixing in the app because oh yeah, I was just <laughs> curious because yeah, uh, Paul got me into uh, writing in Markdown for our show notes for our podcast, and so. Mm-hmm. After doing them for a while, like I'm really into Markdown, so I've been playing with like different apps, and uh, and then uh, recently heard about uh, Byword, and yeah, it's like completely minimal. Like I have my notes for today in that, and it's just like a black window with gray type. So, oh, that is neat. Yeah, I, so. I just looked it up. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not sure if I'd like this or not, so I thought I'd try it and. It's it's really fascinating too because I maybe I didn't pay attention when I was testing like Macdown and um, some of the other ones that I was playing with the Markdown language in, but this one like I can hit like you know Apple I or Apple B and it does like the Markdown code for me. Oh, <laughs> yep. And I'm like, oh, that's cool too. I'm like, I can use like the old. <laughs> like I'm used to typing it out now though. <laughs> but I think there's like Apple yeah. L or something for link and then it'll just like do all the link stuff for me. I'm like, oh wow. Sandy. Yeah, this seems like I feel like I just made like a bad version of this in pages. <laughs> with like, pages. <laughs> just with set it chain tweaking settings and pages. Yeah, I just fought with it until it sort of like resembled a bad version of this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I might give this a try. This ends part one of our episode with Joe Vikes. Uh, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at uh, Joe Vikes, J-O-E-V-E-I-X. Uh, you could also follow uh, myself on Twitter at Paul D or Chris at Sick Days, S-I-K-K-D-A-Y-S. Uh, there are also several other places to find us, but... Uh, you can always just head to montrealsauce.com to find out what those are. And, of course, uh, if you like hearing uh, interviews with cool, creative folks like this on Montreal Sauce, you could support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash msauce. Uh, we are now seeking patrons at all levels, so um, that could be you. Uh, and you might get something, so take a look at the webpage. It's pretty cool. And uh, we will talk to you later. Or, well, I mean, we'll talk at you. Maybe you could talk back to us, like, using one of those feedback mechanisms or something. Bye.